Welcome, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today to Meet Me on Planet 3. I am your host, Deanna Hoffman, a parent of two young children, an experienced science educator, and an environmental advocate. The Meet Me on Planet 3 podcast features actions that folks like you are taking to protect and preserve our amazing planet Earth. For this episode, I interviewed esteemed authors, Jane Yolen and Heidi Stemple. Jane Yolen was one of my favorite authors growing up. I still remember begging my mother to read an invitation to the butterfly ball over and over. And now I read Jane and her daughter Heidi's stories to my own kids. I sat down with Heidi and Jane, or JY as her daughter endearingly calls her, to talk about how books about nature can inspire children to love and care for our planet and its inhabitants. This land once belonged to the birds who took to the skies, the oceans, and back to the land where they were met by man, his nets, his traps, his guns, his hose, his scythes, his land clearing machines, his kites, his lines, his planes, his power. What was once theirs was now his to use, to own, to rule, to protect. This land still belongs to the birds who take to the sky, the oceans, and back to the lands, where now they are met by conservationists, their laws, their protections, their programs, their care. What is ours is now theirs to live, to flourish, to sing, to fly. That was Heidi Stemple reading a poem called Do No Harm from Fly With Me, a National Geographic kids book that Heidi wrote along with her mother, J.Y., and her two brothers, Adam and Jason Stemple. It's a fabulous book all about birds, full of information and pictures and poetry and messages of conservation. I may be a little biased as we are all related. Jane, or Janie as my late grandma Ruth used to call her, was my grandmother's baby cousin. I guess that makes us um, twice removed and Heidi and I... um... Let's simplify and just call them my cousins. When you look at all the awards they have won, I think it's safe to say I am not alone in loving their work. Jane, Yolen, and Heidi Stemple, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to meet me on Planet 3 today. Thank you so much for inviting us. This is a fun day to do it. I have the back door open and I'm listening to birds as we speak. And that was Heidi, and I am her mother, Jane Yolen, and uh, together we have written many books, and and alone we have written many books, and we really are excited to be here. Many books is an understatement. Jane Yolen has written, oh, about 400 books, and Heidi Stemple has written quite a few herself. Jane's repertoire happens to include heaps of stories about animals, such as Rum Pum Pum, Bear Outside, Interrupting Cow, Crow Not Crow, and of course, Owl Moon. Side note, Heidi is the little girl Jane writes about in Owl Moon. Jane and Heidi also have written many books together, including one of my kids' favorites, Eek You Reek, poems about animals that stink, stank, stunk. I'm told there is a sequel in the works called Yuck You Suck. We can't wait. I asked them where their inspiration comes from. Those kind of ideas come from just being outside Google Doodles or an article that one of us will read that has not maybe necessarily about a skunk, 
this idea actually, JY, might have come from you read something or heard something about great horned owls. Heidi explained to me that great horned owls are the only predators of skunks. This is because the great horned owl has no sense of smell and therefore cannot smell the skunk. We're very connected with owls in our family. She was probably reading about owls, found that tiny little fact, and that's how that whole book and now a series of books started. And we teach writing picture books to people and we take them out on walks and say, look around. If you don't come back from this walk with five new ideas, then you're not working. And paying attention is really important because ideas are so fleeting. They come, they go, they come, they go. Maybe it's only a poem. Maybe it's a full book. Maybe it's the start of a novel. I don't know when I get the idea. I just know that's an interesting idea. Or I might have been playing with words and came to eek you reek. Yeah, and how's this for a good segue? The Great Horned Owl is the star of the book. It didn't start our family working on a lot of bird books, but it's certainly the most famous, which is my mom's book, Owl Moon, which is a family story. And I'm the little girl in the book. And so I take that role extremely seriously in that for about 25 years, I have been bringing that book into school. Most second graders in this country read it because it's part of an overall curriculum about uh, small moments. But not all children have a trusted adult to take them out into the woods at night or access to woods or outside. Many children are only exposed to or first time exposed to the idea of owling and going out into nature to interact with it and not disrupt it with her book, Owl Moon. I just this morning spent a half an hour with kindergartners on a virtual visit calling owls with them. Now, the interesting thing is my husband, my late husband, David, first of all, was the one who taught us all to owl because he was from West Virginia. I was a New York City Jew. Enough said, you know, birds are pigeons. They make a mess. <laughs> pigeons have adapted to their environment better than any other birds in the world. Also, they've taught themselves to um, ride the subway. But go ahead about your flying rats that you do not like. <laughs> I love pigeons. I love doves. Interestingly, New York pigeons, no. Doves in Scotland, beautiful. My husband... He was a birder and he went and he hunted with his camera, with his eye. And as the children grew up, he taught each of them how to bird. And they are all amazing birders now. So the little girl in Owl Moon grew up to continue counting owls, to continue calling owls. There are 80,000 people who count and I happen to be one of them. So my crew gets up at midnight. We call ourselves the OMG which stands for the Owl Moon Gang. <laughs> and we go out and count owls. And then I think it was 2013, our best night, we called down 67 owls. And the counts go on all over the country and there's just hundreds of thousands of birds counted. And those numbers go to the Audubon Society and that data is used by scientists. We are citizen scientists. And I know lots of kids who are involved in this. I used to do this as a kid. This count was started in the year 1900. But there are tons of other ways that you can become involved in citizen science and not just with birds. There are, I believe, turtle 
counts and there's nest watch, which is also birds. There's hawk counts and butterflies. There's a, so there's a bunch of different things. Beavers too. Yeah, probably. This type of citizen science was begun by the Audubon Christmas bird count, but they use that type of wildlife census to do lots of other citizen science. So the citizen scientists who are gathering the information send it to the actual scientists and they use the data collected to find out things like which birds' habitat needs to be protected, which birds are in trouble because of climate change, which birds are no longer in an area, and why is that the case? I have a few questions about this. You <laughs> said you you said you were calling owls with kindergartners. Yes. What does that sound like? Pretend I'm a kindergartner. What is calling an owl? How, how do you how do you do that? So we have three owls in my area that we call the most of. So I have pictures and I do this in person. Right now I'm doing it virtually. I hope to and do it in person again soon. So I show them the type of owl. So like the great horned owl, which is the owl from Owl Moon. And we call that owl. So I explain why they call this way and what they look like and how their ears are placed on their head and what they do. And then I tell them that I'm the owl caller and they're the owls. So I would call and I show them how to call a great horned owl. So then they call back to me and then I call the barred owl who says, who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all? And then the screech owl, which sounds like, which is very little owl, cutest owl, my favorite kind, who says, And then the big finish is that we call the snowy owl. Now the snowy owl only comes here every once in a while because they're really an Arctic bird. And I say to them, we are now going to do the hardest call ever. We're going to do the snowy owl. Wait for it. Here it is. It's a totally silent owl. They do make little calls, but it's a, so I, I leave the teachers with a little something to tell their kids later on. Okay. Now that you all are still calling owls, let's try the snowy owl. <laughs> But it is, it is a really good first experience for kids to understand a little bit about it. We talk about, even with kindergartners, I talk about nocturnal versus diurnal and why if you go out and call an owl in the middle of the day, you wouldn't necessarily get an owl to call back. You'll probably get something else, other types of birds. But it's a real experience that they can do just like they've seen in the books. So it, re- it really gives them a good connection with books that they've read. When you educate children, they grow up to be more conscious adults, which is exactly what you want, which is one of the beautiful things about writing for children is that you get to be part of the solution there. You get to introduce kids to ideas about how to help. I asked Heidi to talk about protecting the cerulean blue warbler, one of the birds spotlighted in their book, fly with me. The cerulean warbler is interesting because it's a migrating bird. And the problem with the cerulean warbler is that we have taken a lot of its territory mostly to produce coffee. So they are very small blue warbler and they prefer old growth forests with tall, wide trees and lots of undergrowth. And we have, as humans, have taken down a lot of that. But you can buy bird-friendly coffee. And if you're a kid and you don't drink coffee, you could educate your grownups about it. So there are conservationists in both North and South America 
and farmers in South America who have begun growing coffee under the shade of trees, which means you preserve the trees for the cerulean warblers. And we have lots of stories like that. Is there anything else you would want to share about how books can inspire children to love nature and to love her? Yeah, I think that because people don't always feel like they have access to learning about birds or being out in nature, all of this information is accessible in books. And I'm not just talking about nonfiction books. We have a book called You Nest Here With Me, which is a going to bed book, but it has lots of nonfiction pieces to it, even for the very youngest ones. I find that once children read about something in a book, like Owl Moon or my mom's new book with my brother is called Crow Not Crow, which is about a father teaching a little girl to learn how to identify birds by first deciding if it's a crow or not a crow. But once a kid sees this in the pages of a book, their eyes and ears are opened to what is outside them. And all of nature, no matter where you find it, whether it's a piece of grass growing out of the concrete or a herd of deer outside your window, like I'm looking at right now, you begin to look at it differently and you begin to care about it in a larger way. And that's what children are doing in everything. They are learning to look outside just what is inside of them. And children's books is a really great bridge for that. A lot of kids don't live in an area where they think there's anything to look at. And that's actually not true. Your passion is infectious. <laughs> yeah. What <laughs> advice do you have for people who want to start writing? Maybe they are thinking about these pigeons in the city and how well adapted they are. I'm starting to think there's a book here. I don't know. What, how do you, what advice do you give to people who are interested in becoming writers? First, read. If you are not reading children's books, you shouldn't be writing them. So if you read enough, you begin to get a sense of what you need. For example, picture books are usually 32 pages. If you haven't read any of the books, you might just write the same book that somebody has published a dozen times already. The second thing is pay attention. Maybe you want to write about feelings. Maybe you want to write about something political. Whatever you do, you need to pay attention to what's going on. And remember that even if you're working on something that's a hot subject now, think about it. If the book comes out two or three or four years from now, is it going to be as, as interesting a subject? Heidi, what do you want to add? My two pieces of advice, although honestly, we both teach full weekend, you know, four day workshops on this sort of stuff. So boiling it down to tiny little bits is of course really funny. But mine would be research. That's number one is research. I don't care whether you're writing a dense novel, nonfiction, or you're writing a picture book with just little tiny nuggets of information. You have to do your research. We have a book that we wrote together called Sleep Black Bear Sleep. And although the bear is wearing a nightcap and sleeping in fuzzy slippers, it still needed to be accurate to be the right type of bear that, would, that does hibernate. And the other thing about writing for children is read aloud. Picture books are meant to be read aloud. So writing 
something that is meant to be read aloud is very different than writing something that you're supposed to be reading silently to yourself. So those are two just two of the many gazillion pieces of advice, I think, that is important for writing for children. Heidi, what's your favorite book of your mom's? Owl Moon, of course. Jane, what's your what's your favorite book of Heidi's? There are two coming out, Wren's Nest, which is just absolutely beautiful. And then, then she has a series coming out with Simon and Schuster that begins with, uh, is it, is Flamingo Bingo the first? No, two can with two cans. And it's just all these various birds doing these astonishingly silly things that just make you giggle and they're for easy readers. She does have a beautiful little book that's just coming out called Adrift. And it came from something that we both saw. Uh, somebody wrote about, so what was the line? It was about during the early part of COVID that we are all in our own boat, but we are on the same stormy sea. I went to bed thinking about that and I woke up thinking about that. And I always feel like if you do both those things, you need to write about that. It starts out one tiny mouse on one tiny boat, adrift on the stormy seas. So that comes out in September. All of these other little animals adrift in their own boats all find one another. It's just a perfect book, I think, for small children who feel adrift in this era. But it's more than just COVID. Kids going to a new school, moving in a winter storm, they feel adrift. And this is a way of saying everybody has a little bit of that. But if we all come together, it gets better. A colossal thank you to Jane Yolen and Heidi Stemple for sharing their enthusiasm and imaginations with us today. I am super excited for all the new books they talked about that will be available in the near future. I don't know about you, but I'm also feeling pretty energized about nature and birds in particular. I'm ready to head outside tonight and call some owls, maybe a little earlier than midnight. To summarize the key points from our conversation, number one, ideas can come from almost anywhere. So you have to be paying attention to the world around you. Number two, read. If you want to know how to write, you have to read to find out how to do it. Number three, do your research. Even for a children's picture book, it's important to include true facts. It didn't make the episode, but Jane also highly recommends joining the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. And number four, use books as an opportunity to help children make connections with nature. Heidi also suggests teachers and caregivers contact your local Audubon Society to see what's available. And Jane thinks they may even have information about visiting a bird or animal rehabilitation center. Thank you for taking the time to meet me on Planet 3. Subscribe today, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, and check out my blog at meetmeonplanet3.com. And please email me with topic suggestions or questions. Deanna at meetmeonplanet3.com. That's D-E-A-N-N-A at meetmeonplanet3.com. Planet3.com.